You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Fine tune and welcome for tonight. This is Parsha's Dvarim that's coming up. Uh, I thought we had a lot of fun last week with dealing some of the locals that was in Parsha's Matas Masse, very rich Parsha halachically. You might think, well, Dvarim doesn't have much in the way of halacha. Well, you'd be mistaken. There is something here, a very interesting pasuk. Pasuk says that um, Moshe Rabbeinu describes Moshe Rabbeinu describes uh, how uh, he wanted uh, to pass through uh, the area of Sichon. They started with Shalom, of course. Eventually, there was a war, but it started with a request to just pass through. Now, what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu said? Uh, what was the message to Sichon? Let me just go through your country using the, the, the primary road. And then again, I'm not going to get off. I'm not, not stopping to see the world's biggest hamburger. I'm just going to keep on the road. And then, Ochel Bakesef Tash Food, you know what I'll do? I'll pay, but I'm still going to pay for food. I'm going to pay for food and, and, and it'll help your economy out. And I'm also going to pay for water. Now, we know these were things that Kuala Yisrael had in abundance, right? They had the, the air had come back, Moshe, and they also still had mun with them, even when they were traveling there. But this was a way to sort of sweeten the deal. Iraq, just the only thing is we're going to pay for our, our, our what we what we eat and drink. Iraq, just let us walk through. We're not going to, you know, just let us walk through. And of course, we know that that, that is not what occurred. All right now, the pasuk goes out of its way to tell us what it was that Moshe Rabbeinu said. Moshe talked about food and water. So the, the Rebbe Epstein and his classic Torah Tamima, Talked about that in some other classes, you might remember. Quotes the Gemara Navodazara. Let's take a look. Tanya. Ashlokos shel goyim asurin. If a guy boils something up, and it's only through boiling that you can really enjoy eating it, you can't eat that. A guy made it for you, can't eat it. In other words, bishol nochri. Diomarkro. Ochel bakesef taspireini. Diachalti. Umayim bakesef titanli bishosisi. There's food and drink. So we have, we have a hekish. Kimayim. Ma mayim shulo nishtanu mi or. Just like when it comes to water, and you can have boiled water, but it's essentially the same water. Ochel too, whatever food they bought, the only food they bought, we're saying, was food that was like water. They bought food that even if it would have been heated, what the guy, even if they did buy it heated from the guy, those, uh, the, it did not change the quality essentially of the food. The food could have been eaten uh, without it being boiled. And this is where you see the idea of what Bishol Akum is and what Bishol or Bishol Nachri isn't. That's the Gemara Navodazara. Rebarach Epstein does his job and he it quotes here a number you'd sign. Umasik bigamar michte What's that? It doesn't say. It says food and drink. It doesn't say food that was boiled. It doesn't say that the food was 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 like water and it wasn't changed. It says you're right. 
this is not the source for Bishul Nochri, but it's a nice Asmachta. It's Midrabonon. Vikro Asmachta Bialmo. Really, it's only an Asmachta, and this is one of our sources the rabbis had when they outlawed rabbinically taking food from non Jews that had been boiled or cooked by them. Um, in the idea, but it is a little bit of a hook for us. Now let's talk briefly about the two reasons that are given why you're not supposed to have food. It's totally kosher, but why you're not supposed to have food that the non-Jew uh, cooks and, and, and helps prepare. Rashi says, <laughs> because he's going to get a relationship. And what's, going to be, what's wrong with a relationship? <laughs> or other types of non-kosher food. Getting relationships with them, you'll see they're going to give you fish. Oh, here's, and it's a trace fish. Tosfa says, no, this is the road to intermarriage. Okay, those are the two reasons behind why we don't divisional nachri, Rashi, and Tosfus. Baruch Epstein wants to know, though, it would seem that this Pusik is the opposite. Why? Because this Pusik says, meaning you can buy food that non-Jews prepare. Ochel. Ochel is not, it sounds like prepared food. So it's true, you don't, look, I understand there's a heckish, but this whole thing is rabbinic. Many things the Torah says, according to the Torah, are allowed, but the rabbis say are not allowed. Because they thought, look, we don't want them getting so close. So, Epstein, Rebarch Epstein answers, he says like this. Normally, the rabbis do not make something usher that the Torah officially says is all right. Let me explain this better. Hector Mefurish, this, this is a Yusod that many say was, was, was articulated by the great Taz, David Cohen, the writer on the Shulchan Aruch, that the rabbis do not outlaw something that the Torah says is allowed and talks about a person doing it. Something the Torah doesn't say is not allowed, the rabbis have a right to come in and say, we're making this unallowed. But something the Torah says is allowed, the rabbis do not, even though there might be a reason, do not make unallowed. Because the Torah says it was doing. It would be almost like a, a slap in the face to the Torah if that's what this Easter was. So, now, and I'm sure, you know, Hanani just joined us. I'm sure you know the famous Taz that we are just talking about. Heter Mefurish Bikra, the Torah doesn't make usher. Now, it was, this is what, is, is the issue here. Isn't it say Mefurish that the Jews ate food prepared by them by the, uh, or would have eaten food that was prepared by them, by non-Jews. So therefore, Alzeh, maybe a hekish mimayim, because the hekish tells you maybe it was like water is what they were buying. In other words, they'd buy food, but only the, it's possible. So therefore, that's why this is the source. Okay, so that's a little bit of a vart that you could say at your Shabbos table about the Isser of Bishul Nochri, but what are you going to say interesting about Bishul Nochri? From there, I, I think I provide something here for you. Um, first of all, 
something which happens in a lot of restaurants. A non-juice, it happened, I, again, some of you have been in Jerusalem. Most of the food there, in, I don't know if it's open now, but the Jerusalem Pizza Shop in, in, in Elizabeth, many times the non-Jew will put the food into the microwave. And that happens a lot. Rav Vosner knew about it. He said, Yesh masadot l'mahadrin. They send the mashkichim in and they see that the non-Jewish workers are putting food in the microwave. And therefore, he says, that if a non-Jew, if it's, again, in other words, if the microwave, now if it's edible cold, it's one thing. But if it's something that you put it in the microwave and now, it's now edible. So that is considered bishul nachri, even though they, it was a new invention. It's not what they had in the time of, of, of Og. They didn't have it in the time of Chazal. But now that is normal ways of, of actually, doesn't cook well, but it definitely does something to it. And therefore, um, there is an issue that you have to be careful. Uh, what is the food that the non-Jew is putting in the microwave when you go into the restaurant? It's got to be something that isn't connected to the uh, Isser uh, of Bishul Nochri. Um, Revel Yashava, however, was talking about the fact, what about places, either, uh, Richard, you might appreciate this, factories, uh, 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 where people who work there are, are Jews, but they're Machal Shabbos. Okay. Is there a problem if they are the ones that are, and again, with factories, there's another issue. Uh, are we worried about Bishul Nochri or not in factories? There are uh, Rabbonim, and as you know, Richard, the place that took over uh, the Hashgacha from where we both had worked at one time, felt there was no problem with Bishul Nochri because it was done uh, It was done for a, a huge amount. It was done for commercial. It's not the type of thing where the Nochri is going to get friendly with you, right? Because it's not, a, it's not Mrs. McGillicuddy next door. It's a, it, it's a factory, so you don't necessarily need a... a a, a Jew to turn the stuff on at all. However, Rebel Yoshev said, there's two levels of kashras. There is the Mahadran level and there is kosher. If you want to get the Mahadran sticker, then there are Rishonim that hold or Postkim that hold that if a person is non-religious, there's a problem with him turning the oven on. So therefore, you need to be careful that the mashkiach is the one or some sort of Yerushamayim, uh, and that is the case in the meat factory when, when I wasn't there and COVID wasn't there, but the, the, the head of the, the, the plant manager is a very big Yerushamayim, even though he works for the, the plant, he can turn the oven on. Because the Ramah says that you don't, a person who is not keeping Shabbos, person who's not religious should, is also a problem of Bishul Nochri. The Shulchan Aruch is more mekel. The Shulchan Aruch says you don't need to be machmir, even though the person is, is here not practicing uh, religion. Why? Because what's the Isser? We saw, remember in Tosfos, that the Torah Tamima quoted. We don't want to get married with them. Well, there's no bisrul nochrum with mumer for two reasons. First of all, it might be, as we've talked about in this class before, that we don't really have a true mumer. We don't have someone who's really anti-God, 
who knows the reasons that are behind it. And especially if it's a Shas Atchak, and anyway, you don't have the you don't have the Mahadran sticker. Most posts can hold that like Tosfos. It's about Chasmus. Well, you could marry. You could be. You could marry into that guy's family. There might be other considerations. It might be a difficult marriage. There might be issues. Don't marry the daughter of an Amoritz, right? But it's, there's no Isser Darais. It's not a non-Jew that you can't marry. So therefore, a, a, an irreligious Jew can, and it still would be kosher. And again, you might not get the Mahadran sticker, but it would be kosher in terms of Bishul Nachri, even though it's a non-religious Jew who's turning on the oven or uh, helping cook the items that are there. So that I thought an interesting uh, take on uh, Bishul Nachri. However, there's uh, something else that I want to show you, which is something that happens all the time, which is, let's go for coffee, right? Let's go for coffee. So, um, we'll start with the Benish Chai, and I think I've, I've, I might have uh, done this with you, with some of you before. Look at the Benish Chai. This is the Benish Chai from Baghdad and Parshas Chukas a couple of weeks ago. Let's take a look. Kaveh. See that? Kahave. Coffee. Hakave shemivashon goyim. Right? Goyim are making coffee for you. Right? They take the beans, they boil the beans, right? The beans start to spill into the hot water, and there you have it, right? You grind the beans, you boil the beans, now you have the, 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 the grounds that are the beans that now get cooked into the water. Benishchai says, some say it's usher. There were achronim that said that you cannot drink coffee prepared by a non-Jew. Some are matir. The Arizal even spoke about it. The Arizal said that you shouldn't be drinking coffee. And again, there was a coffee, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but it was like a wave of, of, of addiction to coffee that took over uh, in the uh, 16th century. There was everybody was going and drinking coffee, and coffee was available. And of course, that's part of what what pushed parts of the slave trade in, in, into the United States as well, into South America. You know why they had all those coffee beans? They weren't native to Colombia. They brought them over there in order to, to have the slaves work on them and then send the coffee back. So anyway. The point is, coffee was going everywhere in Europe and in the, in the Far East and in Baghdad. But he says, I can't, I can't stop people because there is what to be so mechon. And especially, there is a minig to be matir. And in Baghdad, the minig has been for a long time to drink, to not be makbid on coffee, even though you can't drink it raw, to let, to drink coffee that the Goyim prepare even to go to their cafes. But he says, a balnefesh should be machmir. And of course, the real, the tznuim, the real frum people do not go to the cafes and drink coffee. However, you can even have an onam choshev. If he's going for some reason, the base goyim gedolim, if he's going there to, to, to speak on behalf of the Jews, he's there to make an impression, he's there because he's there to represent the Jews at the opening of the embassy, 
what's he going to do? Not drink? It's going to be a, a slap in the face? So there, the Ben Yishchai says, there's enough here to allow. Who are the ones that say it's Usser? You can see here in the footnotes. The Panameiris, that's what Mayor Eisenstadt said, you should not drink coffee. That is the, from coffee shops. Uh, the Radvaz, who was in Mitzrayim. The Prichodosh, who was in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Yaakov Emden allows it. They are the ones that allow uh, the uh, the drinking of coffee. Uh, the Ariza, of course, did not. Um, I should. Sh- I want to show you, uh, Rav, Rav um, Sternbach uh, writes about this as well. He says everybody is mekel. Everybody can see here. Ha'ilam nogu. Make it a little bit bigger. And he brings the prichodosh that we just saw, uh, but the arizal is machmir as we saw. Uh, Rav Sternbach found, however, from the great Rav Kiveger, a reason to explain why you can drink coffee in coffee shops. So he says, because when you when you're drinking the coffee, there's two stages. Today it's different. But when you're drinking the coffee, there's two stages. You start off, you, um, you roast the beans. When you roast the beans, you can't eat them, right? And therefore, what, are the, what has the guy done? The guy has roasted the bean for you. But you still cannot eat those beans. You still are not able to eat those beans. So it's true. The guy roasted them and, and acted upon them, and they turned them into these grounds, but you still can't eat them. Now, what is it that makes the coffee able to be imbibed? It's the water. So, okay, the guy boiled the water. But hang on. That's called bishul achar <laughs> And we know when it comes to water, as we just learned, remember, there is no din of bishul nachri by water. So therefore, yes, the, the, the beans are now in the water and you're boiling water. But there's, but, but, so the water is not a problem. And even if you want to say the water is now with the heat boiling the beans again, but that's not called an act of bishul. Because once it was roasted already, it's ain bishul achar bishul, ain bishul achar tzliya, right? The same way by Shabbos, you wouldn't be chayiv because it's already been cooked. So even though it's true, it does change things. But halachically, it wouldn't be included in the Yisr of Bishul Nochri because, because, because you've already done Bishul. And the first Bishul didn't work. The first Bishul didn't allow you to drink it because it was, it was inedible. So therefore, the first Bishul, what the guy did is he didn't really make it ready for you to eat. The second thing, although now it's good height, hot steaming coffee and it tastes great, but you know what? That was a second act that is irrelevant because we say once something is already cooked, a second cooking done in water, because that's what it was. First it was roasted in the, in, in the heat. Then you took those beans. I think and- it makes your point even stronger not to drink it because the first act did not do anything to it. The second <laughs> act made it ready for you to drink it. Right. But that's the, that's the interesting interesting paradox, Moshe, that what you did secondly is is, is essentially considered um, 
you're, you wouldn't be chayyeh for that. Second of all, since when Ashkenazim believe there is no bishul achare bishul? Okay, so you're going to see in a minute. Hang on, you're going to see in a minute. Good question. So one more time. In terms of the water, it's not a problem. The fact that you did it again, well, the goyer, that second act is no stronger than the first. And even though in the second act, it's now, you can drink it, since the first act, which was the primary act of Bishel, you couldn't drink it, the second act doesn't make it also. And just like on Shabbos, we don't say Bishel Achar Bishel, we say Ein Bishel Achar Bishel on Shabbos. Now, now, you might want to say what Moshe is saying. Well, come on. The grinding of the, of the beans was... That's not really what the guy that really what the guy benefits you. He benefits you with the second act, with the bishul with the water. Maybe in that case we're going to say bishul achar bishul. But he says, um, if you think about it, when he puts the water in, when he boils it again with the water, he's not really trying to boil the beans. He's not trying to, Rav Kivager says, he's not trying to cook the beans. He just wants the boiling to get the taste of the beans into the water. So therefore, even if you say, yesh bishel achar tzli, like you were saying, Moshe, here you might not be chayiv in Shabbos, because his kavana is not to cook the beans again. His kavana is just to heat the water right? To get the bean taste into the water, because it needs to be hot for that bean taste to transfer. So therefore, it would not be Bishel Akko. Now, it's true, there is one of the Rishonim that say, the Rebbe Mimitz, that there is Bishel Achar Tzliya, V'Afiya, that this is one of the Ashkenazi posts, and everything. That there's bishul, that it's considered bishul once you've roasted it. It's considered bishul once you've baked it. Maybe you would say bishul akum. There's bishul as well. However, um, Rufki Vager points out that the the Rebbe is is a maverick opinion. That there's considered bishul acharts. No, it's what does Lazarim Mit say? Lazarim Mit says even though ain't bishul achar bishul, yesh bishul achar tzli, yesh bishul achar afia. In other words, it's got to be the exact same thing being done again. That's the chiddush of Lazarim Mit. He says it's he is the only one who says that on Shabbos. You're right. It's a daraisa. You want to be machmir. But here, this answers your question, Moshe. Here, it's a darabanon. The whole Bishul Nachri is only Xayra the rabbis made. So here we can definitely be Mako. And in other words, since most Rishonim hold, it's not considered Bishul anymore. And the purpose of it is not even considered to be Mavashalit. Therefore, if Kivager came up, and you got to be Rikivager to think so brilliantly about it, that's the reason why it's Mutter to drink from the, the non Jewish cafes. Now, Rav, Rav, um, again, Rabbi? So in other words, Ricky Vegas said you are allowed to drink coffee from non, uh, that was made. Okay. Non-Jewish cafes. I said it wrong. Non-Jewish cafes. You have to be worried about the non-kosher material that might be in that cafe. 
and there might be cookies, there might be other trade things. The Ben Ishchai and Ricky Vega were talking about a place that only serves coffee. That's all. But it's non-Jews that are, that are making your coffee for you. Okay? The problem with Starbucks, and you can read about this on, online, is that it's possible that they've washed all their dishes together, and it's possible that the container that the coffee is coming through might have been washed in the dishwasher together with some of the other stuff that they had some of their non-kosher things in. And you'll take a look. The CRC has an article talking about the difference between the kiosks and, and, and the regular restaurant, the ones that are more that, that offer more, but um, the Starbucks that only offer you know, coffee, uh, it probably is not a problem. Uh, Rav Heinemann has a, feels that even some of those other ones, he disagrees with the CRC's psak, and he says bidievid. If you're if you're b'shasatchak, you can be so machan rov and go into Starbucks or into Wawa or any place where you like 7-Eleven, uh, especially if you're on the road, to go and you don't have to worry about the fact they might have washed all those things together. But we're talking here today about the old days, about Bishul Nochri specifically. I think, Richard, that, does that address your point, what I was saying? Yes. Okay, good. Now, Rav Sternbach says that his minag when he's on a, a, a plane, like Rav Heinemann says, you know, I, okay, I guess you don't have to take anything, or he's on a train, and they give him coffee. So what he does is he puts the sugar in himself because he wants to say that, for me, I don't drink coffee unless it's sweet. It's got to have a sweetener in it. If the sweetener is not in it, it's not really a finished cup of coffee. So therefore, he said, if a Jew puts the sweetener in, so it's not completely a gift that the non-Jew gave you. So you don't have to worry about Bishel Akum. That is what Rav Sternbach says. Um, However, he says that you got to admit that many times coffees are served at fancy occasions and they don't need the sugar to uh, to, to drink down. I think if, if, if you would go back in a time machine and you would taste some of the coffees from in the old days, a lot of them really, they were so bitter, you needed the sugar to combat the bitterness. Today, Rav Sternbach says they probably are considered good coffees even without sugar. Um, and therefore, if you are drinking it, um, you can put sugar in. Um, but he believes anyway, there's enough of a reason to say uh, you don't really need to put your own sugar or milk in, um, but it's good to to be to be mako, to be more machmir and put your own sugar or put your own milk in. If that's the way you consider it, roy lishtia. There are people that will tell you they cannot drink coffee unless there's some sort of milk or or, or, or uh, whitener in it, and therefore, if that's true, you could use Rav Sternbach's var as well to say that, hey, I, I never can drink coffee. For me, coffee is basically, it's so bitter, I can't drink it. So even though you get it from the Starbucks or whatever you're getting it from, but you're putting the milk in yourself, so that's what's machsharit. That's another heter uh, in Bishul Nokri to be able to drink the coffee.
Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.